This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. Didn't even have to break stride. It was absolutely sublime. Yeah, we're just watching it on repeat, yeah. like just yeah. over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and it's rightfully getting the attention it deserves. Subscribe to the OTV Koi gig pod on the OTV Sports app now. Welcome along to this evening's Off The Ball. Really good show planned between now and 10pm. We'll keep you up to speed on everything in the Premier League as we start to get used to games being on on basically three-day intervals between now and the World Cup. Dan McDonald is going to be along with me for the football show. We've got Philippe Clare with us as well. He is going to be taking a look at the most bizarre Paul Pogba case and the potential fallout for him in advance of the World Cup. Pogba not playing at the moment due to a knee injury, but a story has now emerged which has twists and turns, including his brother and some of his childhood friends trying to extort him for 13 million euro over the last six months. We'll be talking about Keith Long's departure from Bohemians as well with Dan a little bit later on. Fiona Hayes will be reviewing Ireland's second test of their summer tour against Japan where the host won by 19 points and what it means for Greg McWilliams' side heading into next year's Six Nations Championship. And we've also got the treat of an Olympic world champion on the show as well. Olympic gold, world gold and now two European goals for Fintan McCarthy alongside Paul O'Donovan. He's going to be with us a little bit later on this hour. Delighted to say we've got Mick McCarthy here alongside me as well. How are you going to, Mick? Hey, Will. And we've got Richie McCormick with us too. Richie, how are you? Richie's in that wonderful uh, place at the moment, Mick, which equals mute or somebody has got him muted. How very 2020 of us. I think uh, Richie doesn't want to talk about what's been going on in Dalyman Park today and he's uh, he's just keeping stum. This is a silence. going to have to watch him for the news round. Yeah, this is silent protest. Richie, have you got sound now when I see the hand going up? Yeah, I think I have. I you should do. have this end anyway, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, look, that is a manager gone, but <laughs> yeah. we've also got Scott Parker gone as well, Mick. Yeah. Uh, remarkably quickly. I saw someone totted up the numbers earlier about that sweatshirt, which has now gone famous from the weekend. Uh, £24 a minute it cost if you take the amount of TV time it got last weekend. Is that what it was? Yeah. It's okay. over £1,000 to buy it. <laughs> is that his cardi with the stripes on the sleeve? It, is it? sure is, Rich. So is it good? <clears throat> so it's the exact same design as a blazer he wore on, I think, the first day of the season. And then wore the cardigan at least twice, including in a heat wave, mm-hmm. with that exact. Uh, so I don't know if it's the same one, or he's washing them, or he's, he's like it's not as if he had like to hold on to it for superstitious reasons, seeing as they were losing fantastic all the results games four nil, yeah, um, before they eventually lost nine nil. So yeah, look, the cardigan is going to get a lot of play, and rightly so. Uh, it's probably reason enough to sack him, but I have to say, I was <laughs> surprised. Like we we were talking about managers last night. Obviously, I was losing it about Steven Gerrard as usual. I'll try not to get into that tonight, but. I was talking to, to Johnny this morning he was presenting it was like he was looking at the manager sack race and I don't think Parker was even on the list no you know I don't think people saw it coming <laughs> I, I, like Bournemouth don't have uh, the you know the most amazing resources they haven't invested all that much I don't know if I'm the biggest Scott Parker fan but I think this is a bit harsh I have to say yeah I, I think it's I think it's more so like the, the, the wording of the statement was, was pretty telling in the sense that and if you watch back and I've, I've, I've got a clip of it for later as well his press conference after the Liverpool game, he was essentially bemoaning the fact a lot that they hadn't brought in as many players as those yeah. around them had. So the Fulhams and the Nottingham Forest especially, or I guess are a free case. But it, it was it was a lot of veils and thinly veiled at that digs towards the board saying that we tried to bring in players. It's not necessarily that they don't want to come. It's that there's other factors in play. And if he was more or less goading the board into sacking him if they weren't going to give him the players that he wanted in this window, whereby he said, there's going to have to be a conversation if you know we can't get in who we can, who we want to get in in these next couple of weeks, and you can kind of understand the the Bournemouth standpoint in their in their in their wording where they said, you know, respect is one of the big things and sustainability is one of the big things about this club, 
and they aren't going to spend money that they don't have. Um, they didn't necessarily do that when they were down the championship. I don't think they're going to start doing it now. And Parker prodding them in the ribs constantly, probably got in their wick just a little bit too much. And they said, "Enough's enough." I don't know if it's yeah. I don't know if it's a, if it's a deserved thing. I don't think that comes into it really. It's just down to the principles of the business and how they run it, and they saw fit to yeah. to change leadership. I suppose. Uh, I wonder is in any other industry is an employee being a little bit annoying a sackable offence, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. Looking at you, Will. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. I presume <laughs> they use the nine nil as the excuse, though, Mick. It's not yeah, like well, you know Parker was annoying us. No, no, we went down without a trace of the weekend at Anfield. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, look, it's interesting now. Who who's uh, coming off the manager managerial merry-go-round? Sean Dice. Sean Dice seems the obvious one, Rich. Nailed on. Nailed on. But it's a, uh, it's a lose lose for him, isn't it? Really, like Bournemouth aren't staying up with that squad. They can't play Aston Villa every yeah. week. I don't think they are staying up. But that said, I don't think it's weird to say. I don't like relegation. Depends on how it's achieved, uh, if that's the right word of, of, of way of phrasing it. And um, depends on how they go down. Um, but if they go down swinging, there's no reason to suggest that it's not a bad job. Um, they're a fairly well run club. They have been for the past decade plus when they got up to the Premier League and. It'd probably be attractive to to a certain type of manager. I don't know if Dyche would go there. I think Dyche probably has his his sights set a little bit higher, and he's probably looking at his watch, waiting for for Frank to be sacked at Everton, because um, that just seems ready made for for someone like him. Bournemouth, I'm not so sure, but I don't think they'd be short of people lining up to take that gig. It's very southern. Nice place like to live, Sean though. Dyche. Like the South Coast, not a bad place Look, to live. The thing is, I can understand why Bournemouth are being very careful financially because a few years ago from the Championship, they were incurring penalties for financial fair play. Like the margins were extremely tight because they don't have the revenue of some of the clubs around them. They've got a small ground, it makes it incredibly difficult. And therefore, they don't want to run the risk, Richie, of potentially overspending to try and stay in the Premier League. Next thing, you're getting hit with punishments when you go back down into the championship and then it becomes more difficult to come back up maybe the way Bournemouth are looking at that is we'll take the financial windfall of going up we'll see what we can do with what we have we go back down we rebuild and try and go back up it's yo-yo but it's better than taking the risk yeah it is and there's loads of teams and there's loads of you know examples of clubs who've stretched themselves too far and ended up sinking down as far as league one or league two in pretty quick order I don't think Bournemouth are going to be that because they're you know, pretty savvily run. It kind of, from a, without wanting to be selfish about it, my worry would be for the likes of uh, Mark Travers, who's clearly found a manager, or had found a manager in the last eighteen months under Parker, who who liked him and and thought enough of him to give him a decent run. He pre- pre- played all but one, I think, of the games in the championship last season. Um, has obviously started from the get go this season. You don't want to see him fall foul of another manager's whims now, just because there's going to be a change there. Um, and other young players as well. Like you know, he he turned uh, the Dominic Solanke situation into one that looked like it could have been a real, you know, warning shot for pit players who go to to bigger clubs at a young age and have to come down again. He performed brilliantly last year in the Championship, and it was all under Parker as well. And that stuff shouldn't get lost either. So I just hope the young players that are there manage to find their feet, and particularly Travers under the new boss. Yeah, Neto has come in now as well, which could mean the new manager might well look at it and say, look, I'll put a Brazilian international goalkeeper in straight away. And Travers, no fault of his, the nine goals that were conceded at the weekend, uh, given the defence that was in front of him. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, where Bournemouth go from here and who comes in. A bit of a crappy quiz for you here, Mick, to start the show before we get into the news round proper. Do you want to have a guess at any of the top five managers who've had the shortest start to a season in the Premier League? Jesus. Uh... Well, top five um, all got less than Frank 30 DeBoer. days. Frank Boer. Must be honest. Frank <laughs> like Boer is 31 days, would you believe? 
That was going to be my wow. one first guess. Okay. Sending send Damon uh, Delaney off. Ian Porterfield seems to be the answer to all these questions. Yeah. That was, must have been later. He was the, I think he was the yeah. first manager sacked in the Premier League, wasn't he? I think so. But he lasted. Chelsea in 92. Yeah, yeah, he lasted more than 30 days, though. Good Lord. Ronald Koeman. I don't know. We're, 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 just, we're just picking out. Just, just throwing names out randomly now at this stage. Uh, Paul Sturrock holds the record at Southampton Sturrock. in 2005, Jeez. nine days. Uh, Peter Reid at Man City in the second season of the Premier League lasted 12 days. Uh, Kenny Dalglish, remember that one in Newcastle when he went there in 98, 99? Oh, Ruth Hullett. 12 days. Yeah, Hullett's in there 21 days also at Newcastle. Newcastle sacked two managers in August two years in a row. I think. They did. Yeah. Good knowledge. That was in the 99, 2000 season. Uh, rounding off the top five then. You won't be surprised that Newcastle are in there again. Kevin Keegan in 08-09, which is 19 days. The second coming. And Alan Kerbishy's time days. at West Ham. <laughs> 18 days. So they're the ones that all Herbs. got under 20. Right. It's a hell of a list. Um, I was surprised like you. I thought Frank De Boer was a little bit shorter than 31. Yeah, Definitely. Like um, Damon Delaney tells that story wonderfully well of how it basically turned with Frank De Boer really quickly. I suppose for the rest of them, they hadn't just taken the job. As Frank De Boer had, you know, they were there the year before, or whatever. So that that's probably why that one sticks in the memory. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if Stephen Gerrard can make it onto that list. Do you know the one that really jumps out that I had almost forgotten about? Jose Mourinho, Chelsea, in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, only lasted thirty nine days into the season. Yeah, that that had gone bad. All right, pretty quickly. Yeah. Was that the one that produced the song? Yes. Yeah, the one where special one. Go on, sing it there. Sky right? Sports News. I'm sure somebody can find it. You can definitely. I'm sure it's on YouTube still at this point. But oh, it's on YouTube. Sky uploaded it in good quality as well when the pandemic hit. When they oh, wow. needed content galore, they decided, what can we get up there that's like an absolute number wizard? And that was that song about Jose, the special one by that bloke and his entire family who he'd roped into the back and vocal who have regretted it ever since 2008 even now about oh, 14 gotcha. years on yeah. um, that is still very watchable the news round is brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day uh, we start by talking about a sacking in England we start the news round Richie with a sacking here in the League of Ireland yeah, Bohemians this evening parting company with their manager Keith Long. Last night's 3-1 defeat at home to St. Pat's leaves Bowes sixth in the SSE Electricity Premier Division and relying on the FAI Cup for a return to Europe. It's two months shy of Long's eighth anniversary in the job and in that time he led them to a runners-up spot in 2020 and last year they reached the third qualifying round of the Conference League and the FAI Cup final. Trevor Crawley and Derek Pender have been placed in charge of first-team affairs ahead of Friday's visit of bitter Dublin rivals Shamrock Rovers to Daily Mount Bowes. Meanwhile, drawn away to Shelburne in the quarter-finals of the FAI Cup. Rovers will go to Derry City. Dundalk will travel to Waterford and Treaty United play host to UCD. Those ties will be played on the weekend of the 16th, 17th and 18th of September. Rich, just looking at the reaction from last night and even recent weeks of Bohemians outside of their performances in the FAI Cup, mm. it, it's got pretty rough. Now, that can't be all put on Keith Long's door, though, when you consider the amount of players that have left the club over the last 12 months. Yeah, lots of them made of that. Um, I was totting them up there before we came on air. Six of the starting 11 from the FAI Cup left between uh, then and now. Uh, I think it's uh, 11 of the match day 20 are no longer at the club, which is a massive turnover by anybody's stretch. And you factor in the players of the quality of Dawson Devoy, Georgie Kelly and Ross Tierney are among those that have left in that time. Rob Cornwell as well. And Andy Lyons, uh, of course, who's gone off to, to Blackpool in January. Um, the results could have been better. The performances could have been better. It's just, it's the, it's a difficult thing to talk about these uh, changes in manager 
when you know contrasted with the ones in England like Keith Long didn't go into management as a multi-millionaire like Scott Parker did and it's kind of difficult to talk about somebody losing their job in that respect because it is just that it, it's a job and you don't know when the next one is going to come and I've been in that position and it's not fun um, but then again something had to change there um, but you have to factor in the massive turnover in players the job that he did do in the eight years there and bringing through a couple of generations of young players that have uh, gone on to England and will probably go on to England and further afield in the last while. He, he did a remarkable job when the club was in a pretty ropey position back in 2014. Um, so none of that should get lost. It's just i really curious. Uh, and I don't I genuinely don't know where they do go next from here. They should be performing better than six. There's no doubt about that. Whether the massive turnover in players could have that could have been achieved this year with any other manager, I don't know. Like it's 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 just it's very difficult. Very difficult to say. And with the timing as well, Richie, you look at last night, Pats are now 12 points clear of them in the chase for Europe. Realistically, Bohemians would have to um, use the cup as a route to potentially get into Europe for next season. So uh, you're thinking someone is coming in to try and steady the ship and try and continue on this cup run. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if, uh, Trevor Crowley and and Dets are taken to the end of the season, to be honest. Um, Just because there's no chance of relegation. Uh, There's no chance really now, realistically, of, of getting European football. So would it be beyond them to just take over for three huge games and, and get them to the Aviva again? I don't think it's beyond the round possibility. Crawley's a decent manager in his own right, and Derek Pender is very highly thought of as a coach. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they see it out until the end of the season and uh, take their time in appointing a successor. But then again, God, what do I know? Uh, they could have somebody in by next week. They could have somebody in by Friday night ahead of Rovers. But I would doubt it, if I'm being honest. And I wouldn't be surprised, as I say, if uh, Trevor and Dets are taken through to, to the end of the season. Mick, just before Richie goes through the Premier League fixtures for tonight, yeah. are you ready to watch football every day till the 22nd of December? <laughs> I think we get the odd Friday and Monday off, do we? Only the odd one, though. Oh, the very odd ones. Um, I think the Premier League, with the way it's stretching now at this stage, you'll have non-European teams playing Friday night football and some of you playing Monday night as well. So I think we were looking at it that United, who are in the Europa League, obviously, I think their only non-midweek game between now and when the World Cup starts is the International Week. Um, so that means it's also the same for Arsenal, you would imagine, and it must be the same for the Champions oh, League teams. October well, you know? for the Champions League teams is so so yeah, bad. To I saw. Uh, I think Jack, Pitt, Jack Pitbrook put up uh, Tottenham's schedule um, between now and the World Cup, and it was insane. Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like so, yeah, we've got we've got a, an enormous amount of football. It's going to be fun. It's also going to leave, you know, probably a half strength World Cup by the time we get there, which is sort of. You know, there's a lot of problems already with this World Cup. Like, <laughs> um, but if if you've got teams limping their way in, literally, uh, because they've played a ridiculous amount, and then they like immediately have to go and play a World Cup game. Well, like, like to, it's basically a glorified world, international break. This World Cup, like, there's no big build up to it. There's no preseason in the way there is normally in June. So, like, all the writing in the wall is for disaster. I just wonder if your name are Messi. And PSG have got their games, and you know, at the middle of October in the Champions League, is your eye on Qatar at that stage? Given it's, it's a good, it's a good year to be playing in a crap league. Yeah, you know, like the English lads. If you think of England as a live contender for the World Cup, mainly playing with Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, they're all going to have to live and die by every game they play. PSG, even if they play, can walk around five nil up after an hour in all their league games and concentrate in the Champions League. They'll all be fine. Mm. Richie, what is happening across Channel tonight? 
Yeah, Brighton of all people can go top of the embryonic Premier League table tonight if they win away to Fulham. sponsor. Who do Brighton or uh, embryonic? Uh, very good Mick Uh, Everton's quest for a first win of the season takes them to Leeds Crystal Palace entertain Brentford uh, former Drogheda midfielder Killian Phillips on the bench for the hosts there and Southampton entertain Chelsea as we mentioned Scott Parker became the first Premier League manager this season to lose their job 41 year old sacked by Bournemouth with the board seemingly unhappy with his pressing for new signings in a statement they said it is unconditional that we are aligned in our strategy to run the club sustainably Gary O'Neill will be in charge for tomorrow's visit of Wolves to the Vitality Bournemouth have been comparatively quiet in the transfer market when viewed alongside fellow promoted sides Fulham and Nottingham Forest. And speaking after Saturday's 9-0 loss to Liverpool, Parker was clearly frustrated with their lack of activity. Yeah, I don't know. We've been trying to get, we've been trying to do that. There's millions of reasons why, and there's loads of circumstances why this is not just as straightforward as um, not being able to sign players because players don't want to come or whatever. There's, there's. Um, there's a lot of issues here for the reasons why um, we've not been able to do that and um, it just depends whether them, them issues resolve or, or we make a decision. That's, that's it really. The most inevitable text of the night has come in, Mick. James in Fibsborough, who I can only assume is a Bowes fan if he's in Fibsborough. Kenny Cunningham for Bowes. Oh, yeah. Don't lose him here. If he can still do the commentaries on a Sunday and the, <laughs> odd, the odd Monday night with us in the football show on non-League of Ireland weeks. Um, I'd be all for it. I think I think Kenny would bring a bit of pizzazz to the to the league, Richie. Kenny has uh, he's still a regular goer. Like I was talking to him at length about the uh, the Bowes Shells game or Shells Bowes at Talca uh, before our commentary the other week. Like he's he sees a lot of matches uh, here, so it's it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Kenny does get involved at some stage. I know he was linked to the Pats gig uh, a little while back. Um, I'd be interested to see if Kenny still has that desire to get into management. I don't know. Be honest, I don't know, and I don't know if Bo would be the right place for him, but it's an interesting name to put out there for sure. Yep, he's in our phone book. We can ask him next time he's on if he's I'm interested in doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, as long as he can come on, do his food criticism, I don't really care about him talking about the football, but um, I just look forward to Kenny's Christmas uh, coming back around this year where he can talk about the plan around the Cunningham household. Um, Sam Bennett, unfortunately, was reading his piece on Sunday and he was still very yeah. much in the fight at the Velta to try and win uh, the green jersey at the end of it, but uh, COVID 19 has struck at the worst possible time for him here, Rich. Yeah, desperate look for Sam Bennett, who was withdrawn from today's 10th stage of the Vuelta España as he tested positive for COVID-19. Bora Hansgrohe, his team, taking him out. Bennett had won two stages in this year's race and he was just five points off the green jersey of Mads Pedersen. Bennett had worn that for several stages as well last week. Remco Evenepoel won today's time trial to stretch his lead in the race for the overall leader's red jersey to two minutes and 41 seconds. That lead is over Primoz Roglic. Hey, Richie, colour me surprised. Cameron Smith is going to play in Live Golf. Shock and indeed horror. The Open champion has officially signed up for the Saudi-funded Live Golf. The Australian among six new names to commit to the Breakaway Tour today. Joining Smith are Wacky Neiman, Harold Varner III, Cameron Tringley, Mark Leishman and Anurban Lahiri. All six will compete at Live's fourth event in Boston next week. Uh, Smith has been speaking to Australian Golf Digest saying that the money is certainly a factor. It's believed he's getting $100 million plus to sign up to Live Golf. But he says that the schedule is more immediate to him and that's his main reason for taking that Saudi dollar I know Mick I think that uh, answer could have stopped about halfway through I think it's perfectly okay <laughs> if Cameron Smith says hey they have flashed 100 million at me potentially to play for this um, series over the next few years I've got an exemption for playing the majors for the next five years anyway so change the world ranking points or do whatever I'm going to be teeing it up with the majors anyway it's, oh, you hardly cynically like 
100 million like after your first 4 or 5 million what difference does it make still I just don't like I don't get it now I've never had any money so maybe I don't know how to put myself in that position of always wanting more but you know I I I don't I I'm sorry that this is this has become like kind of the 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 conversation now is like if it's about the money it's about the money it's fine I I think that's that they're entitled to that I think we're also entitled to the opinion that you know at some point ostentatious greed hmm. should become something to be scorned you know and love, look love, just because they're all at it doesn't make it okay you know I love the element as well like which does creep under there whereby the schedule is you know I prefer it. I, I want to do less work for a lot more money. Now, it's grand if you're in the position to be able to do that, but it kind of rubs in the face of the people who you want to, you know, tune in or turn up to watch it every week. Where it's just like, I can pick and choose my dates. And I'm choosing to do even less than I was doing already on that remarkably well-funded tour. And I'm just going to coast from here on in in these meaningless tournaments. Well, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's implicit that you're not going to be putting in quite as much effort as you potentially would before. Yeah, I've often wondered about that. Is like, you know, what, what's the where does the live golf competition come from if they're all getting this upfront money? You know, like, but you know, I suppose the competition money, the, the prize money is pretty big too. Well, that's the thing, David Walsh, wrote, David Walsh wrote really well about this at the weekend, lads. And basically, what he said was, if you're Henrik Stenson and you've already got a reasonable amount of money in the bank, the signing on bonus is more important than what you'll receive in every tournament that you play during the year. Now he was trying to give a balanced view of it but the point that David was trying to make was someone plays in the Czech Masters last week and wins that sets them up with a tour card and probably the money to be able to you know, continue as a professional golfer that means so much more than if you are say Stenson when he won in New, in New York a few weeks ago basically he's already set up for life and it's actually the money that Live Golf gave him at the start that matters not the paycheck for winning but that, like, but, but what are they signing up for then that's the question Like, and I, I know they're signing up for the big signing on fee but there is a golf tour here yeah. And, you know, essentially you want that to be a watchable product. And if it's just going to be lads who are dossing around who go, ah, what was your sign on fee? Ah, 100 yeah. million. What was yours? 95. Ah, stinger for you. You know what I mean? And now we're in the territory as well. And I think Alan Shipnock raised this earlier on today. With the six lads coming on board, we're now in the territory whereby they're, you know, they talk about limited fields for live golf. Mm-hmm. There's people who are now being cut adrift at the bottom. So there are people who did make that initial G-Mac. jump who are now... I know who are now going to be just like cut adrift. And G-Mac might be legitimately sweating, by the way. He might be the most attractive yeah. if they're cutting these fields down. Well, I mean, yeah. he may, maybe they own. Possibly. He's, he's, an, he's an OG. His early work. Richie, though, Richie's point, just quickly, we don't have much time, right? Richie's point about, you know, like uh, he wants to do less work. for Like, I mean, if in a normal industry, like, fine. That's like, you, you know, you're offering me more money and saying I have to do less to do it. That's the dream. That's, it's, it's an obvious thing to go for. But... There's not an. This is a, he's a sports person. It's sports. It's a, yeah. This is a sports person who's just won the Open. He's on the cusp of being one of, if not the best golfer in the world. His aim should be to go and be the best golfer in the world. He's already filthy rich. That's my point. It's like it's not to say the money isn't important or he shouldn't go for the money, but he's at the top of his game. He's worked so bloody hard to get there. I don't understand why you'd go on to this sidetrack. You know where you, the aim, whatever it is, it's not about improving the game. It's just about being paid, about improving his game, I should say. So, it's just so disappointing for someone like Cam Smith, who's done so much this year to put himself front and center, become world famous over the course of this year, and now, right, grand, I'm just off to get the Saudi money. Richie, you know. just before we finish, I'm not going to steal your moment to be able to give us perfect pronunciations of everyone who played at the U.S. Open tennis God today. So crack on. 
Uh, women's top seed Iga Swiatek through to round two at the US Open. She had a 6-3-6 love victory over Yasmin Paolini this evening. Also into the second round this evening, six seed Arena Sabalenka, the eight seed Jessica Bagula, and nine seed Garbinia Muguruza. Still to come, two-time champion Naomi Osaka faces Australian Open finalist Danielle Collins. Emma Raducanu begins the defense of her title against Alize Cornet. Last night, of course, Serena Williams got what's likely to be her final US Open underway with a straight sets win over Danka Kovinic. The 23-time Grand Slam champion will play an Contivate in round two, and she remains as unfond as ever about the word retirement. I Lovely. prefer the word evolution because I feel like I'm at a stage of my life where um, I'm not necessarily retiring, I'm just evolving from tennis. Um, and I do feel different. I think I was really emotional in Toronto and um, Cincinnati, and it was just, it was very difficult. And not saying it's not difficult now, it's extremely difficult still. Um, because I absolutely love being out there and the more tournaments I play I feel like the more I can belong out there and that's a that's a tough feeling to have and to um, to leave knowing that the more you do it the more you can shine so um, but it's time for me you know to evolve to the next thing I think it's important because there's so many other things that I want to do and etc. There you go. Serena Williams speaking in Flushing Meadows after her first round match there. We've got Fintan McCarthy coming up in a few minutes' time. But Richie, thanks a million. Nice and Jets. And to Mick as well. That Thank is you. the news round. This summer, we're bringing you double Koi gig. Didn't even have to break stride. It was absolutely sublime. Yeah, I mean, just we, watching it on repeat, yeah. like just yeah. over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and it's rightfully getting the attention it deserves. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now.